Live from Brussels, this is The Late Late Show with Jeff Pedley and you are listening live. Hello, good evening, welcome to The Late Late Show with Jeff Pedley. It's a new year, time for a new me. I'm going to be sharing with you tonight some of my New Year's resolutions as an English teacher. As usual, you can keep in touch with us through the handle at TT Radio Official. I would love to hear your New Year's resolutions as well and I'm so glad that you're joining me here tonight. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio. Hashtag TT Radio. Okay, so it's Thursday, the 5th of January 2023. Feels a bit weird saying that, doesn't it? And thank you for joining me for my first ever solo show. Tonight I'm going to explore some of my own personal New Year's ever New Year's uh, resolutions as an English teacher, specifically as an English teacher. And I'm sat here in my office in on the outskirts of Brussels, a little town called Alston, Flanders, on the outskirts of Brussels, and it's grey. It's it's rainy outside, but I would love to hear from people. Uh, you're more than welcome to join us on Twitter at TT Radio Official. Likewise, you can send messages or tweets to my uh, my personal handle, which is at Jeff Pe- underscore Pedley, J-E-F-F underscore P-E-D-L-E-Y. And I will try and read out some messages as well. Likewise, you might be listening la- uh, on the Podbean app. I'm more than happy to uh, to share some texts if you would like to uh, share with us as well what your New Year's Eve resolutions are as well. However, before I start properly today, I think it is worthwhile having a little, well, putting my own two cents in anyway, to the mass until 18 debate that's popped up. I'm sure this is going to be discussed heavily on the on the, stadia, uh, on the station and uh, in other channels on Twitter as well over the next few weeks, months, maybe years. Uh, I did a poll on Twitter, quite simply, maths until 18. And the options were great idea, great but not practical, neutral opinion, or bad on all fronts. Now I have about ten thousand followers, I think, on on Twitter. Not that, not that <laughs> it matters at all. But uh, and what I'm trying to say is that a lot of them are teachers or within the education profession as well. Fifty uh, percent of people said bad on all fronts. 28% great but not practical, about 14% have a neutral opinion and 8% say it's a great idea. Uh, I think my favourite, a wide a wide, a wide spectrum of ideas here and, and, and opinions. Uh, there's a councillor in Thurrock, Abby Akinbuhu, who uh, at Councillor Abby tweeted, only lazy young people will kick against it. If anyone wants to give themselves more options in the future, they must be prepared to be competitive in the market world. Ranging from, which I do agree with to a degree, all the way to uh, Bruce Henderson, at Bruce Henderson, his handle saying, there are many careers where the basic maths achieved by the age of 16 is more than sufficient. And on the basis that many can leave school at 16, this is just another pointless spouting designed to distract. I actually retweeted uh, somebody as well. I'll just find this here, who who, who I was particularly uh, in consensus with. Uh, Lou at Lou Carr. 79 said Rishi is looking at this all wrong invest in early years and the foundations of learning research shows that children need that solid start in school not a couple of extra lessons foisted on them past 16 it's also interesting to see this new uh, proposal in the context of the the school that I work in here in uh, here in Brussels now as I've said a few times on my show I'm I work for the European school system, which is basically the European Union branch of of education. There's there's thirteen European schools scattered across Europe, which teach the sons and daughters of uh, EU workers, sometimes NATO and UN as well. When there's when there's space, and all students at this school, it is very linguistically focused. But all students on this school head towards a uh, the European baccalaureate at eighteen. 
Now, this qualification actually encompasses at least 10 different subjects with maths always being a part of that either four or six uh, sessions per week and and despite of all of the lessons or the subjects that they have to take at 16 to 18 they don't complain too much about having to do the maths I mean they can lessen the pain <laughs> with with dropping to four sessions rather than six as I've said all of the students generally go off on an academic direction. I'd say ninety-nine percent of them go off to university or a gap year at the end of at the end of eighteen. And students who are not going down that path normally have have dropped out of this school before then, or not been allowed to continue the year if uh, if their academic uh, ability hasn't kept up. So it's a very interesting system, a very different system from what I went through myself when when I was only taking four down to three A-levels or so, mostly humanities-based. I took uh, English uh, English combined, history, geography and sociology, so very humanities-based. And myself, I don't think I would have enjoyed taking maths on, but I do see the value in it completely. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, in Belgium, well, specifically Flanders, there's a system where at 15, 14, you go down, you, you basically choose the pathway that you're going to take at a very... Uh, well, an earlier age than the UK anyway. So, for example, you will go vocational, creative or academic. You will still learn maths in some capacity within that. But again, it's more tailored to your ultimate route that you're going down. And I think for me, that's uh, that's where I hope this announcement from, uh, from Rishi Sunak ends up, really, that there's not a uh, there's not a one size fits all doing maths at the end of the year when when sorry all the way to eight to 18 when some students are not necessarily going to be using some aspects of that maths in their their careers afterwards and i really hope that there's a deviation between the more functional maths that's required and then perhaps the more academic maths that, that may be needed for other careers as well but anyway just my uh, my little brief thoughts on that before we start properly tonight so, 2023. Hmm, here we are. Can I clarify how many years I've been teaching now? Because my Alzheimer's is starting to get to me. So, I said that I was in my 13th year of teaching. However, I'm not too sure if that's true. So, I... In 2007 to 2009, I was a teaching assistant and did a bit of cover teaching, but not fully as a teacher up in a school in East Yorkshire. 2008 I started my degree in the University of Cumbria and I did the old English education, uh, I say the old, the English education BA honours which is pretty similar to the old B.Ed really where you do your placements alongside your degree at the same time. So I did that for three years, graduated 2011 so technically, officially 2011 what's that it gives me my 11th or 12th year of teaching now really however two years as a cover teacher a year a year uh, in 2003 as well I actually worked in New Zealand as a at a all boys Catholic boarding school as a gap year when I was 18 years old doing a bit of teach, teaching assistant really uh, working with the PE department so actually working in schools this is my 17th or 18th year however as a teacher let's say 11th 12th years anyway by the by let's make a start of these resolutions i'd also like to add as well that having a work-life balance is not going to be on my resolutions list this year for the first time in in many a year because to be honest i've finally been lucky enough to, to to work in a school which has got the balance quite right we only have a few meetings a year we don't have hardly any emails outside of time and I've got a long commute every day please don't think it's all it's all amazing for me I've got about three hours every day something like three to four hours every day I use as a commute uh, but that's normally when I get my work done really sat on the train but at the same time it, I'm very. I'm in a very privileged position where I don't have to put that on my uh, list anymore, despite it being on my list for many, many years. So my first New Year's resolution as an English teacher, 2023, has got to be for me to improve the quality of texts and the range of texts that I deliver 
at key stage three. Now, I have the same class for... Sorry, when you get a class at year seven at the, in this system, or, or S1 as it's called, secondary one, you have them for three years. And there are no prescribed books that you have to do within the department. You can, you are completely free to choose whatever you want. And uh, students will go off and, and buy the texts themselves. Now, this is a blessing and a curse because basically I've got such a... I've complained for so many years of having books thr thrust upon me. The amount of times I've taught holes and... You, you know, some Michael Morpurgo books that I haven't really particularly enjoyed. I didn't really enjoy teaching Warhorse to, to Year 7, despite faking enthusiasm. I haven't really enjoyed... I think the, my least favourite book I've ever taught was Kit's, Kit's Wilderness, which you might remember from... Uh, my uh my discussion with uh, the the head of Lancaster Grammar a few months ago on a show but it's crazy now i've got a, i've got an absolute blank slate a clean a clean uh yeah yeah a clean a clean piece of paper to to really go and and, and teach whatever i want now this poses a lot of problems as well how may, how far should i deviate from the established canon uh and to be honest I'm quite happy with going quite far away from it. I was, I've just, uh, you may have seen a tweet that I did out recently, a book called This Is The Canon. Uh, I think it came out last year by Deirdre Osborne uh, and a few others. And basically, it's 50 books to decolonize uh, the canon, books that you should you should have read that have just not been given uh, priority. I'm really looking forward to reading this as well, of course. From key stage three point of view, it might not be too helpful, but it's gonna it's it's going to definitely put put me in some directions. And by the way, I say it's key stage three, it might not be too helpful. I do teach L two learners or sometimes L three learners of English. Uh, in, sorry, students who have English as a second or third language in English. However, at the same time, at the same time, their ability is astounding. And I don't really teach much differently from how I did when I taught in Essex or Yorkshire or, or, or Lancashire or Cumbria. Uh, and, and and like I say, in some of these books, which might be more geared towards young adults or, or like I say, young academic adults, I still will have a go at. Uh, I've also been very impressed with a... a uh, a website, I guess, a website that's been set up by, I don't know the person's name actually, but at, I know the Twitter handle's at school reading list. And I'm just going to have a quick, uh, a quick have a look in, in live time now at this because yeah, it's schoolreadinglist.co.uk. Uh, again, it doesn't say, it doesn't say who's, who's composed these lists, but it's an amazing, uh, recommended book uh, book list book list i'm going i'm going cumbria book list for children uh in schools all the way from early years up to key stage five and i'm really interested in having a look through ordering some of these books on amazon especially looking at the books that they prescribe or, or suggest sorry not prescribe for year seven year eight year nine just having a look through here wink by rob uh harrell madam doubtfire by adam fine and uh, Licky Bit by Alex Wettel, or Wheatle, sorry. Now, there's some really... Basically, there's a lot of books in here that I haven't come across before, and that's going to be my priority, to get these uh, get these books ordered and to really stretch and challenge uh, at Key Stage 3 some of the books I have. I, I don't see my students for, for a massive amount of time. I only see them... Uh, was it three hours a week? A decent amount of time, but again, it's uh, it's 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 more than enough, more than enough to to do some really good texts over the year. Please notice, it might be sat there going three hours, and you can't even get through these things. Please notice that note that there's a heavy focus on grammar within this uh, within the system that I'm in. Uh, nothing like ever I've I've encountered before in in the UK, and again, possibly an hour's worth of both of those lessons need to be dedicated to to, to, to sentence structure and grammatical uh, construction, definitely. But anyway, that's something that I, I'm really going to focus on, making sure that I have a, a greater 
breadth and depth at Key Stage 3 for reading. And I'd love to hear some some people's suggestions as well of books that they've found particularly useful or interesting, engaging over the last few years. Uh, Books that I've really enjoyed that, again, I'm, I'm using at the moment, but I'm happy to move away from. A Monster Calls. Uh, has gone down really well with my year seven classes and again an excellent movie of that that's come out very recently which which is is really nice for some comparative work uh i taught that in essex uh, uh amazing key stage three coordinator that i had there put a scheme together which i really really enjoyed i still use that actually i still I still use that even as a even second language learners uh I also, again, this is a bit of a legacy from from a few years ago, but the the declaration. I do enjoy. I do enjoy this text. I do find it's maybe a little bit too. Uh, it's one of those books where the language is quite easy, but and and the themes are maybe quite grown up. So I don't, I don't know. It's a, a bit of a mixture. It's it's a uh, yeah, it's in the same vein as Hunger Games or so. If you haven't read the Declaration uh, by Marley, I, I would I would definitely I'd definitely have a have a read of it. Uh, but in, anyway, that's going to be something that, that I'm going to have a look at this year. Definitely, Key Stage Three text number two. And again, I'm saying this from an English teacher point of view, but, but of course, all teachers can can maybe prescribe to this idea as well. But. Uh, the idea of starting all lessons with key vocabulary and concepts. Again, a very... I'm, I'm sure this is embedded in most schools and I'm sure that many teachers do this already. And I'm quite honest and open to say that I don't always have the key vocabulary clearly marked on the board, especially when I'm doing something, uh, maybe some narrative work or whatever I need to be, or definitely grammatical, and I need to be a lot clearer with the key vocabulary on the board. Uh, I worked in an academy in Essex for going on seven years or so. And in the classroom, there were 30, that's right, 30 non-negotiables, ranging from the absurd to the really, really useful and some things that I've carried forward. For example, some some maybe the more absurd ideas uh, were that you had to... uh, When a student was talking, they had to stand up, uh, which practically wasn't always the easiest uh all the way to enforcing certain activities that you had to do within each lesson which so for example you had to do marking within every lesson which didn't always fit etc uh like over the shoulder marking all however one thing that i did really uh, appreciate from working at this school was the priority they paid they they yeah, they they pay to put in key vocabulary on the board in all classes, in all groups, in all in all uh, in all subjects, and they brought and I, and, I, and I know a lot of schools do this: the tier two, tier three vocabulary, uh, and 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 again, I, I of course more general vocabulary, and then your more subject specific vocabulary, and it's something that I really need to get back to. Again, I've got complete freedom in the lessons that I have now. And the benefits of having that key vocabulary upon the board is, say again, it's such a simple thing, but I just need to get back into that habit of doing it. Uh, I Something that I, that I find useful is whenever I'm studying a text so for example I'm studying uh, Americana at the moment by Adichie with my basically A-level equivalent groups is going through the study guides and just and and, and retrieving key vocabulary and I know this sounds so obvious but there's been CPD sessions where I've been sat in a room with a blank sheet of paper going right write down all of the key vocabulary tiered for I don't know Macbeth and we sat there with a blank sheet of paper trying to scrabble it of course we're experienced of course we're experts but again it's it's rewriting the wheel again or you know (laughs) rewriting the wheel you know making the wheel from scratch and you know all of these key these key these key vocabulary this key vocabulary and these key words are all within study guides and analysis you know spark notes etc etc go through and find the most difficult words for out there and then tier them afterwards but again that's something that i'm going to really 
focus on every lesson. I promise you, you can you can hold me to account to this. Every lesson, key vocabulary on the board, key concepts on the board for all all lessons, all groups. And I teach sociology as well. I teach uh, year year 12 and year 13 sociology. I will be doing it for them sessions as well. You can hold me to account. Just like you can hold me to account for saying them sessions rather than those sessions and correcting my vocabulary. Anyway, uh, blame it on the Yorkshire accent. Yeah, yeah, it's Yorkshire dialect. That's my excuse anyway. Right, anyway, number three. Number three has to be more focus on technology from my point of view. Now, again, specifically from an English point of view, I have... I've definitely, I've definitely been forced to use technology a lot more with, with lockdown, with COVID. Uh, my my wife or my girlfriend at the time, she she bought an iPad. She's a designer, and she bought an iPad. I was so impressed by it. I went out and I bought an iPad myself as well, and uh, an Apple Pencil. And oh my God, it has changed my life. I, I use my iPad all the time now, from writing a diary at home and my personal finances. I put everything on my iPad all the way to uh, every single lesson. Every single lesson I teach, I I will use the iPad in some shape or form. Uh, Always by sharing the screen and... And yeah, like I have all the textbooks that the students use as PDFs. It's all, in, uh, you know, instantly if we're going through answers, etc. If we're looking at modelling, everything goes on that board and through f- shared from the PDF. If students have great work, you know, it's a quick picture and then I can be annotating it as I'm walking around the classroom. Having an iPad and sharing a screen has changed my life from an English teacher point of view. I uh, kind of hints at something else that I'm going to, uh, exploring a bit more detail later on, but the idea of modelling as well, or the or the or the the frequency of modelling and the depth that I go into with my modelling, uh, I if students are doing if students are doing exams, I sometimes do the exam with them. Uh, not always on display, showing the screen. It's not the best, whatever. But I will sit and I will write their exam paper with them uh, and I'll do it on my iPad as I say and I've got a handwritten version there sometimes nice to see the handwritten version that you, that you submit as a teacher and not the uh, pristine you know typed up word version that you like to dis- distribute as a model essay uh, and I and I make a uh, a point as well to not to not rub anything out to cross it out as it would do if it was written by a pen. But anyway, iPads have comp- an iPad and the programs I have there. You good notes by the way has completely changed the way that I teach, and I absolutely adore that. But I am very very wary that there there is a so much more potential, so much more potential when it comes to using technology with the English classroom. Uh, and I don't know where to start, really. I don't know where to start. Uh, I and, and again, if anyone has any suggestions or any any uh, any places for me to look at, then please go go for it. I am intrigued at the minute with the this artificial intelligence chat uh, bot and chat system that that's that's arisen in the last few months, years or so. You know, I. I know we've got a program with Tom Rogers uh, on Monday all about this, and yeah, I I asked it the other day to do to write an essay. Uh, it was something quite specific for a book we'd been written. How do characters in Americana overcome prejudice? And yeah, and the essay was written, and I checked the plagiarism, and I was completely blown away that students can use that the AI can now create essays from scratch that are non-plagiarized and where where does that how does that fit into my future english teaching you know we can't battle against it i know there's some schools that are are banning this chat uh ai but we can't battle against it it's going to become more and more prevalent but how does that fit into our english teaching you know how am i teaching students to be able to basically unpick and analyze the work that's been put in front of them and and, and, to, and what skills am i using even to to try and work out that this work hasn't been plagiarized when a, when an able student submits it and so 
chat AI is something I'm extremely interested in learning more about. But however, when it comes to technology, I think I am going to actively this year learn more about the metaverse and specifically from an English teaching point of view. I don't know at this moment in time how the metaverse can massively enhance my English teaching. I understand from a literature point of view, contextually, historically, socially, you know, there are some immersive environments, etc. I know that when it comes to the techniques itself and activities, you know, there's differently, there's this, uh, the format that you're delivering the activities will be completely enhanced by having an immersive experience. But how does that help? How does that help our English students? How is the metaverse going to help my English students improve their writing? How is the metaverse going to help my English students improve their reading? I am more than aware or, or, or I'm, I'm certain that there are people out there with far more, uh, <laughs> far more intelligence than, than me who already know some of the answers to these questions. I don't. And people around me are not too short this moment in time as well who I who I work and I teach with. I teach in a school which has chalkboards, for God's sakes, in some classrooms. Uh, and <laughs> that's no lie. Uh, and so, number three, my New Year's resolution is to learn of how, how I can use technology in the English classroom. And specifically, I'm going to read more about the metaverse and how that can aid language and literature learning. Number four. Now, on Twitter, at Miss J.R. Edwards uh, tweeted, I know lots of people follow me because I'm an English teacher, but uh, I haven't been tweeting about English teaching. My New Year's my New Year's resolution is to share at least one resource or blog or idea a month. It won't be anything revolutionary, I'm sure, but every little helps. And I think I'm going to steal that one myself as well. Uh, because Twitter has its ups and downs. I've <laughs> I try to uh, avoid the spats as much as I can. However, sometimes I do get sucked into these things. I'll, I'll explain one in a moment, actually. Uh, and, but I do think, think Twitter is amazing, especially for sharing resources. I love it when somebody puts a resource out and then you see, and you know it's a good resource and you know it's a niche or fill the gap, uh, fit in a niche. And then you have like <laughs> 100, 200 people afterwards saying, uh, can you send my email? Can you send me the resource? Can you send me the resource? Here's my email. And as funny as I think that is, I think it's absolutely amazing, you know. Uh, and I think I've been one of those people as well who who's who's said who's DM'd someone with my email. Please, can you send me this? But you know, as I said earlier, I'm in my thirteenth year of teaching now, so thirty. Oh no, I said eleventh or twelfth, didn't I? Anyway, uh, I am going to I'm going to adopt that one as well. I'm going to be a lot more open with my resources on Twitter because I'm, I'm already pretty uh, I'm already pretty generous when it comes to the department there's definitely more I could do definitely definitely uh, but at the same time at the same time I'm always there and I'm always around but when it comes to Twitter I do I do like a poll don't I I like a poll I like a I like a retweet but I'm not too good at sharing my resources therefore number four to share I'm going to steal Jasmine Edwards, uh, sorry, Jasmine Edwards, you uh, head of English from uh, school in Birmingham. I'm going to steal your uh, your idea as well. I am going to share at least one resource or blog or idea a month uh, on Twitter. Number five. And again, I'm very wary that a lot of schools and departments will do this already as natural good practice. I need to improve it myself and I need to take the exams myself that the students are doing. Now, within the system that I am, I know the exams in advance, uh, not at, uh, not at uh, year 13 level. However, year, year 7 to year 
all the way up to year 12. I know the exams that they're going to sit. Uh, and like I say, it all leads towards the European back. The most important years are year 12 and year 13. The year four, sorry, the S4, S5, the year 11, year, uh, sorry, year 10, year 11. In other words, the GCSE years, the exams are, are all planned in-house and we already know what they're going to be. But I need to sit down and I need to do these exams in the same conditions that the students do them in. With a pen, with a line paper, if it's 45 minutes to do some creative writing or, or narrative writing, etc., descriptive piece, I need to sit down and I am going to do it in that time as well. And I just think it enhances your teaching so much and I don't do it often enough. True time is an issue. Of course, we are under so much stress and from every direction trying to do things but it does really improve my teaching when I sit down and again verbalizing the thought process that I go through as well and I guess I was going to put this as a separate resolution but it, it's probably something that well it actually leads quite nicely onto this as well you can add it to the second part of this one really I'm going to model more this year I'm going to model more I know it's good practice I know I do it already, but I don't think I do it enough. I need to be. I mean, there's been sometimes. There's been sometimes where I actually. Sorry, I'd say I would say last year about thirty percent of the time, maybe a third of the time, I would do an essay the same time as the kids, the same time as the students, be that in English or sociology. As I say, about fifteen percent of my lessons are sociology as well, and I would sit down and I would write. I would write the essay in that time, and I would always make sure I did it in pen or with the Apple pencil in hand, handwritten anyway, and that I never crossed out. Uh, sorry, that I never rubbed anything out. That I crossed it out and changed the word, and I could show the mistakes that I was making when I was going through at the same time. I've done it on the board quite a few times. It gives you a hell of a dead arm. I tell you that, writing on the board, a full essay. But And I'm sure lots of you have done this before, but I prefer sitting down with the iPad. And I need to I need to do it do it so much more as well. So I'm going to... go Again, I'm going to bunch these two together, but I'm going to start taking the exams more uh, in advance. Because in a way, it is going to allow me a nice model as well. And I think it's it, the kids just really appreciate it more than anything else they appreciate it and they, and they respect you for it you know anybody can stand at the front of the class and say right today's session 45 minutes write about a special memory you had away you go you know it's and, and i've been in the earlier years of my career maybe in cover lessons for example or, or, or i don't i don't I'm not saying that that is a lesson that i would do in isolation but or an activity i'd do in isolation but that kind of vein and you just set off set the students off with something like that and we sit down and we we mark or we go through something i don't know but imagine imagine the amount <laughs> would would you do that in any other in any other subject just let them go off and with, with, with a sentence and just go, go off and, and write an assessment piece you know would you do that in any other subject without any kind of scaffolding modeling etc whatsoever but for some reason i see it far too often in writing you know a sentence there you go that's that's your sit down i mean just consider yourselves for a moment the the, the amount of the amount of processes that are going on in your mind to try and work out how to structure and compose an essay that's talking about a special memory. Never mind the psychological and the emotional attachment that comes to that as well. Uh, and I think as teachers and as English teachers specifically, again, I'm going as specifically as English teachers, we need to write more. And I know we don't have the time. I know... I know we're gonna, we're probably gonna lose something. We're gonna miss deadlines, and it's gonna push something else out of our over overcrowded schedule. But sitting down and doing the activities that the students need to do themselves, putting yourself in their shoes, more is something we need to do, and it's definitely something more I need to do. And bearing in mind these are my New Year's resolutions, I am not saying that there are people. You know, I'm probably the only English teacher that no. I'm not saying I don't model. I'm not saying I don't model, but I don't model enough. And I'm sure lots of people do. But anyway, uh, that's my number five anyway. 
Uh, now seems like as good a time as ever to read out a few tweets. Remember, you can get involved with the conversation at TT Radio Official. Notice we've got a new handle there, at TT Radio Official. Or by my personal uh, handle, at Jeff underscore Pedley, at J-E-F-F underscore P-E-D-L-E-Y. You can send us a tweet, you can send us a message. Uh, we try our best to read them out. There's a tweet here from Fran uh, Golden... Uh, Golden Tree Eng, uh, an English teacher here. I don't know where she's from, actually, but an English teacher. Happy New Year. My resolution this year is to become more involved with the learning process, i.e. to use techniques and methods that cater specifically to students' needs rather than conventions or agendas. Robert Bob has tweeted, I have a French husband and he's a teacher of French. I'm lazy and bad at languages. But I'm now eligible to apply for French nationality. But I have to speak French for the interview. Guess what my New Year's resolution is. Maybe a bit lastminute.com there. But uh, again, this idea of learning French resonates quite a lot with me. I've been trying to learn French and Dutch for the last five years now. And I haven't been applying myself correctly. My wife is, as I say, I live in Flanders. My wife is... Uh, Dutch speaking, Flemish as a first language, and and yeah, and I and I work in Brussels every day uh, in a European school where there are nine different language sections: French, German, Dutch, Portuguese, Italian, Spanish, Finnish, Swedish, English, French, to name maybe all of them. Uh, and I've got an amazing opportunity every day to improve my English. Uh, sorry, to improve my English. Probably improve my English as well. But to improve my languages. And I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it as well as I should. Dutch and French are priorities this year. Dutch and French are priorities this year for me personally. Hopefully, I will be able to do a podcast in Dutch next year. How about that? How about a Teachers Talk Radio in Dutch? That would be uh, That would be more than... Uh, that's that's a good barometer of how far I've come. Anyway, uh, another tweet here from Dwayne Reed, who's at Teach Mr. Reed. Uh, he says his New Year's teacher resolution is to stop erasing boards with the side of his hand. Yeah. As good as one as ever. And I need to get, make sure that I do it. So one thing I like about my classroom over here in Brussels is they have sinks in the classroom. Sinks in every room. Amazing. In the cupboard as well. Sinks in every, in a cupboard in every room. And so, yeah, no excuses. No excuses for keeping the classroom clean. And remember, if you have any of your own New Year's resolutions you would like to share, please uh, do tweet in at TT Radio Official. Uh, anyway, back to my own. Here I am. Uh, I'm feeling very lonely tonight, just talking by myself. Uh as I say, this is my first ever sh solo show. I'm quite enjoying it, though. Quite enjoying it. Number six, we are up to... Org uh, yeah, I've had this resolution for a few years as well, but organise my resources. It feels... And I think I need to come at this from two different angles. So, like most teachers in the last ten years or so... All of my resource I say all, most of my resources are now electronical. And I have pen drives and uh, yeah, and memory memory drives and things that, that go back a few years now. I've changed laptops, etc. etc. One of my the first part of this is to really organise all my all my old resources as well. And it's a bit it's a bit like hoarding, isn't it, as well? It's, I guess you can electronically hoard. You keep these resources here. You know your teaching has improved. You know your presentations and your delivery and your, your just construction of resources have improved. But still, you hang on to your Macbeth PowerPoints from 2005. And as much as the content doesn't change all the time you know as english teachers we do as much as as much as our texts change and you know and our, our focus change quite a lot of the skills that we that we teach stay exactly the same uh 
just as a side note, there's a book by uh, Stephen King. The name eludes me at the moment, but it's when uh, a guy finds a, a time portal in the in a diner close to him and i think he and he's an english teacher from something like the 2000s and he goes back to the late 50s anyway he goes in this time time loop and he keeps swapping between them and somebody says to him like what are you doing for money what 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 job are you doing uh when you when you travel back to the to the 50s etc and he says well i'm just doing the same thing i'm just an english teacher and it really stood with me this it was like yeah i'm just i'm just going back and i'm just teaching shakespeare the same as i was doing in 2000 and it kind of struck me a little bit at how uh how little our content has changed over the years and our skills as well our reading and writing of course we're far more experienced in how we do this but imagine that you could travel back to your job 70 years or so and still do the same one but anyway as a side note i've got all of these resources from way 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 back and i just need to sort them out how do you sort out your resources uh when you've kind of been overloaded in them and i think this is my second i think this is my second part of this I need to get into a better routine at saving and organising the immediate resources. I'm pretty good. I'm okay. I would say I'm like uh, maybe three quarters of the resources that I have get get filed accordingly. But still, 25% of files floating around in the met in the hard drive somewhere is still quite a high number to then have to go back, and it creates a bit of a backlog and. And I think, so the two, the two parts to this resolution really, it's number one, I need to organise my, go back and organise all my electronic resources. Number two, I need to get into a better routine of organising the ones that come in and just making sure that they filed straight away. Sorry, this is, I hope, I hope you're not asleep. I know this is quite a boring New Year's resolution, but again, it's something that, uh, something that I definitely need to do. If anyone's worked out a, a, a good process of doing that i would like to know but i think you just need to do it in the moment uh from a physical point of view i've got a hell of a lot of uh english textbooks again the content of the english textbooks is not always the best you know some it gets dated english textbooks seem to get dated really really quickly uh especially they seem to get dated quicker and quicker, especially with the speed of technology and new apps and new programs we have nowadays. However, there are some tasks that seem to last the 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 the, the tail of time, and, and normally to do with narrative writing, etc., creative writing. Normally, those resources seem to seem to last quite well. So, I've got probably dozens. I don't know. 40, 50 English textbooks that go back throughout the years, and again. <laughs> I am a bit of a hoarder. If people who know me, they know that I'm a, a little bit of a hoarder. But at the same time, will I ever use them? I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know what the, where I'm going with this. But I'm keeping them until, yeah, until until I die and my children have to uh, sort them out, I guess. <laughs> On that happy note. I actually think I'm up to number eight now in my resolutions. So anyway, number eight in my New Year's resolution, specifically for an English teacher... Uh, two parts to this, but I want to, again, it's to do with my own uh, CPD. I want to reinstate myself to NATE, the National Association of Teachers of English. And I also want to be involved more with the Teach Meets uh, organisation as well, which generally works in partnership with Teachers Talk Radio anyway. But anyway, uh, so... Number eight really is to keep improving my own my own CPD. I don't know why I say my own CPD is personal anyway. It's like people who say pin number, isn't it? But anyway, uh, to improve my CPD. So, if you are not sure of what Nate is, like I say, I, I, and you're an English teacher, please subscribe to it. Please get yourself involved in it. It's the National Association of Teachers of English. Uh, I have they they publish magazines they uh, they they and they've got some amazing texts as well some amazing articles, uh, but again I'm I'm just going to have a quick look at, at specifically what they have out from the the most recent issues race in the English classroom thematic curriculums for key stage three. Uh, 
daring to be a writer. Some really good articles, as I say, within the Teaching English magazine. Uh, it says it, a Teaching English established essential reading for all teachers of English. Now, I, I was subscribed for a long time in England, but now that I'm working abroad, of course, I'll have to subscribe as a uh, through the overseas subscription. But at the same time, I re- there's so many things within the magazines that actually apply to my class that, that actually, you know, enhances my my lessons. Likewise, if you haven't heard of the Teach Meets uh, or the Teach Meet setup, the organisation, it's uh, there's Teach Meets are basically gatherings which occur generally in the northwest of of England in Manchester normally uh, and they get together lots and lots of professionals from a specific subject sharing good practice doing presentations there's a social aspect as well and they just seem absolutely amazing for pushing your career forward I would love to be a part of the English one I, I think last year I watched it through via YouTube because, uh, of course, being in Belgium, it'd be interesting to see when the English Teach Me is this year and maybe see if I can get myself across for it. But uh, it's definitely something that I want to be more active with alongside uh, alongside being more active in Nate as well. And again, <laughs> when you think about CPD, there is so much CPD out there. Some of variable quality isn't it you've got things such as teachers talk radio which have some really specific and some amazing uh some amazing experts on which i really like from a cpd point of view on on and then, and again even within twitter but then on the and, and then you've got these teach meets but then on, on the other scale you've got some of variable quality as well Ugh, i'm thinking about some of the cpd sessions i've had at schools but anyway uh Definitely something that I'm going to going to put more effort in. Subscribe it, resubscribing to Nate, and making sure that I read and absorb some of the critically, of course, the the ideas that are put forward. And secondly, being more active within the Teach Meets English organisation as well. My ninth resolution is probably more personal than English teacher specific. However. I no doubt think that it's a resolution or a dream anyway that a lot of English teachers harbour. And don't want to be big-headed or anything, but I just want to write a novel. I have been planning a novel for years and years, doing the research, contextual, uh, contextual reading for a long, long, long time now. And I just want to sit down and write it. And now that I've got a, now that I'm working within a system that allows a bit of a work-life balance, it's something that I'm definitely going to try and do within this year. Uh, we're in the, what we're on now, the 5th of January, and I've already started quite a lot of my resolutions, and they're going, as you would expect, five days in, very well. But again, finding time now, finding time to sit down and write is is something that I struggle to do. I'm one of these people who who needs the conditions to be perfect before I can before I do anything. I don't know if it's a form of ADHD or whatever, but I I, I struggle to focus of course uh, as well and you can probably tell in my uh, my rambling sometimes on the radio. And I just want to get into a routine where I write a little bit every week. Maybe not every day, but every week uh, uh, at least. Uh, Alongside this uh, resolution, I think is going to... No, is definitely going to be that I need to read more as well. And uh, I alluded to earlier on, I had a little Twitter, a mini Twitter spat with somebody earlier this week when I put up a book that I was reading, my first book of the year, which, uh, let me find it, it's just on the side of my desk here. Yeah, so I put up, I put up a tweet earlier this week saying that I was starting to, uh, yeah, starting to to read a little bit more this, uh, this year, and I started with Will Storr, The Science of Storytelling. Uh, and I've set myself a target of 50 books. My target is actually 50 pages a day. And I had some not so nice replies underneath it. Oh, I can't believe I don't. I've never understood these people who set themselves targets for reading and these people who try and quantify rather than 
<laughs> rather than qualify the reading. And that's not what I was getting at. I wasn't trying to show off with how much I was reading. I wasn't trying to boast with the amount of books I was trying to read. If anything, for my own self-discipline to try and get me reading more. I have so many good books in my house and so many, so many texts that I know I'm never going to get to read that are in front of me. And I just need to need to sort of discipline myself a bit more. So saying 50 books, which is basically around 50 pages a day, really, uh, I was hope I was expecting was kind to do that for me. But anyway, it started a bit of a mini Twitter debate about these people who like to boast the amount of books they're reading. But anyway, uh, by the by, uh, number nine is definitely to write more and read more. Nice and simple, but maybe in practice, not uh, maybe not as straightforward. And finally, number 10, my 10th resolution specific as an English teacher is is to be more kinesthetic in my lessons. I want to give my students more practical experiences. And I, I think I am more I am higher than average in the uh, occasions that I take students that I do something physical or practical with students you know uh, I, I'm always bringing props into lessons and and, 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 and and like I say resources physical resources I've done some amazing lessons where I've <laughs> I say sorry again not self-righteous and boasting but I've I've really sat down one of my favorite lessons i've ever do, i've ever taught is when i uh, i completely black out a classroom put a fireplace on a on a wall and read the uh, the red room i give all the students candles and one by one we put them out until we're in pitch black uh, pitch darkness and then uh, and then i switch off the fire or the tv at the end and then i read the last paragraph when we're in complete pa- i know it off by heart in, in in the darkness at the end and i splatter some blood on my head as well uh making sure i'm wearing a white shirt sorry i know that sounds like a hell of a lot of planning and it is that's why i say I've, I've, i know i said amazing there but it is one of those one-off lessons that you do once every couple of years or three years or so when we're teaching the red room but anyway i do like to give my students some really practical experiences but I still don't think I give them enough. I still don't think that my... I, I don't go on many school trips, I have to say, compared to other teachers in my department. I live in Brussels now. I'm surrounded by culture and, you know, and d- deep culture as well in, in, in every direction from art to music to architecture. And I think I need to make sure this year that I am more give my students more experiences outside of the classroom from an English point of view there is so much that you can then bring back into the classroom you know I'm thinking back to my uh, university days and my learning about Kolb's uh, cycle of I think it's his cycle of experience I can't remember exactly but where it goes from concrete to abstract experiences round in a cycle and that's how we create that's how we learn that's how we create meaning and and like I say, I would love to, uh, I, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make sure that my students have more kinesthetic, more experiences outside of the classroom. I think this might be an episode that I come back to and I have to review in December. And I'm going to make a little note somewhere to come back to this episode and review and see how I do with these 10 things Uh over the year but anyway just a little like any good teacher i'm going to do a quick recap of what i've said today and i hope that you've i hope that you've (laughs) you've enjoyed this little ramble especially if you teach english and as i've said before what are your english teacher resolutions remember you can tweet at tt radio official or me at jeff underscore pedley j-e-f-f underscore p-e-d-l-e-y I would love to hear from you. But anyway, my first one was to develop my uh, breadth and depth of key stage three texts. I'm going to be reading a lot of young adult novels this year, I think. Number two was to, sorry, and especially outside of the usual canon as well. Number two uh, was to improve my understanding and application of technology i am pretty good i think technology wise but i do want to move this forward a lot more number three something i do already but need to be more consistent make sure that i'm always putting key vocabulary and key concepts on the board number four i'm gonna do the exams with students a lot more i am going to make sure that i 
attempt specially creative writing narrative descriptive questions a lot more with students the analysis questions and all are by the by but uh but as I say, make sure that I put myself through the exam experience a little bit more this year. Number five, I'm going to share more. Taking on that tweet that I read out earlier on, I'm going to make sure that I that I at least once a month share a good resource or uh, or maybe a blog or an idea that has worked really, really well in uh, for me. Number six, I'm going to make sure I model more. I, I do this already, but not maybe consistently enough. Make sure that I'm doing this. I feel like I'm uh, in a mentor meeting and explaining my uh, next steps. But anyway, uh, <laughs> number seven, I'm going to organise my resources. And remember, I'm going to do this from two different ways. Number one, going back into the past, being ruthless, trying to get stop hoarding, getting rid of those old, out-of-date PowerPoints, which, you know, which, which have been improved and, and adapted. And secondly, making sure that I... Um, better at placing uh, current resources correctly into files. Uh, number nine, I'm going to take a, a bit more accountability for my CPD, specifically by uh, re-subscribing to Nate and also by being more active and proactive within the uh, Teach Meets uh, meetings specifically for English, maybe also for sociology, I don't know, but specifically, definitely for English. Number nine, a very simple one, but maybe practically not that easy. I'm going to read and write more, as I've just said. And finally, number 10, which I've just alluded to there, is I'm going to make sure that my students have more of a kinesthetic, more more, more out-of-the-classroom experiences. And, and, and I'm I'm very wary that kinesthetic and out-of-the-classroom experiences are not the same. However, I just mean to break... I guess I just mean to maybe push my uh, lessons a little bit away from the, the reading and writing sometimes and a little bit a little bit more physical in some kind of aspect, whether that be within the classroom or an experience out of it. Anyway... Okay, I hope you've <laughs> I hope you've uh, enjoyed some of my New Year's resolutions there, and, I'd, and as I've said a few times, I'd love to hear some of your own. Thank you for the people who tweeted, who I uh, who I read out earlier in the show as well. It just uh, basically leaves me to say uh, I look forward as well to being more active on Teachers Talk Radio this year. My show is every Thursday night at nine o'clock. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time, GMT anyway, and uh, and like I say, I, I've had some amazing guests on my show in 2022. I think I did a tweet uh, last week of some of my my top 10 favourite guests, and they ranged from Anthony Swan, who was Teacher of the Year in Virginia uh, last year, and he was an amazing, inspirational uh, guest to have on, all the way, <laughs> all the way through through colleague uh, i remember speaking with uh one of my old colleagues steph mitchell who is head of english at lancaster grammar uh, lancaster grammar and she we explored exciting text to teach as well interesting text to teach favorite and yeah and, and, and i really enjoyed my time with james swan as well over the last year i think i did about three three or four shows with him over last uh, last year which again and i'm looking forward to presenting more shows with him this year Please go on to Podbean, go on to Spotify, listen to all of the the uh, the previous shows, uh, the previous shows that I did last year, and also check out some shows of some people that maybe you haven't uh, listened to that much. Maybe your New Year's resolution to have a little bit more of a listen to Teachers Talk Radio. For example, we're back now, uh, fresh, ready to go for the new year. Next year, we've uh, sorry, next year, tomorrow on Friday the 6th, we've got John Gibbs on at 11 o'clock in the morning. We've got a massive weekend planned of shows. We've, uh, on Saturday, we've got Darren Lester on at 9 o'clock. 5 p.m., we've got Eugene. We've got 8 p.m. on Spaces on Twitter, we've got Reem. Uh, Ibrahim and like I say all of these shows you can catch up on uh, sorry and, and lots of shows within Podbean as well of course Sunday the 8th we've got uh, 
We've got Caroline on at 9 o'clock in the morning. We've got Yasmin on at 11. Brett Poland and Adam, I love his shows, on at 1 o'clock as well on a Sunday. And Maud at 5 o'clock. And then uh, Shanika at 8 o'clock on Sunday. So we've got a really, really busy weekend. Thank you so much for listening to us today. As always, you can keep in contact with us at TT Radio Official. Have a lovely rest of the evening what's left of it and I look forward to seeing you well not seeing you but hearing speaking to you let's spit this out (laughs) speaking to you next week Thursday 9 o'clock on the Late Late Show bye bye this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat's Educational a leading publisher of books directories educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.